0: On the seventh day, he rested, picked up a book, and started reading, because let's face it, that's what Sundays are for. You're listening to the Bookworm on FabRadioInternational.com, brought to you in association of Starburst Magazine. I'm your host Ed Fortune, and I'm here with Russ Smith, coming up on the show. We'll be talking about forthcoming books very shortly. But also we're we'll going to be talking about The Lonely Dark and we'll be talking about?
1: Ah, uh, Rogues, the uh, George R. R. Martin and Gardner Doswell compilation
0: So we're we'll talking about the villains and the long, long Lonely Darkness of Space What a combination But coming up next, that set coming out soon the world, 24 hours a day.
2: This is February International.
0: as we all excitedly wait for George Robert Martin to finish writing his next novel The Winds of Winter and we have a substantial wait for that so we have plenty of books to wait, read in the meantime there's lots of stuff coming out there's always lots of stuff coming out we're going to see if we can take a quick look at some of them so um, The Affinities by Robert Charles Wilson is actually one of the ones that's coming out in April, on tour and it's one of the things that I found quite exciting because it's about how social media changes the world. Now, we know this. We know that social media has changed the shape of our world and the way that we function as a society. But you know those tests that you take on- online yep. that tell you that you're House Ravenclaw or Gryffindor or whatever? Yep. Or they they tell you that you're a particular kind of mindset or you work in a particular way. What if someone had created an entirely comprehensive system that worked out exactly, not only exactly what sort of person you were, but the sort of people that you should be hanging out with to create the most effective society for yourself?
1: A techno-sorting hat.
0: A techno sorting hat, so it, te- it sorts you out into a sorting hat. You team up with other people in your sorting in your house, as it were. Your affinity, That's the name of the book, the affinities, and you team up. And because you have been chosen to be the most effective, your house works really well together. You all gel. You all get on. It's kind of you know social social media dating, but for your your society for your life. So you form a society. You all hang out together. So does everyone else. Everyone. Breaks into these affinity-based factions.
1: So I assume that's where the conflict comes in.
0: Yeah, war event, uh, war is inevitable at this point because mankind has split itself into its affinities, into its little groups. They're all doing really well until they realise they have to compete for resources and then marketness ensues. I think it's a really interesting idea as a consequence of technology-style speculative science fiction. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It actually looks quite fun. Uh, What else do we have coming out? The Silver Witch. Meet Tilda Fordwell, a woman who has escaped to Wales. Escaped to Wales. Uh, In order to recover from the loss of a loved one, despite being haunted with visions of, of his final moments. Instead, valleys awake within her. do Instead, the valleys. See, I, I was reading this out. And it says, "Instead, the valley the valleys awake within her dominant powers." And they're <laughs> going, "Valleys don't awake. You don't awaken with valley powers." But no, she basically she becomes a witch. Hmm. She has psychic visions, but she also has visions. That one
2: sounds really good.
0: She also has visions of the past. Uh, there was a witch who was in love with a, a prince at some point a long time ago, and there's a whole kind of. You know, is she is history repeating itself, or things going to? History always do? repeats itself. That's because right, those nice predestiny stories. foreshadowing. History repeats itself because it eats the time too quickly. That's what it does. It's it's constantly consuming things, so you know it has a burp, Hence, it repeating itself.
2: Oh.
1: Sorry. I thought you were going to go with the um, history. Uh, history will eat itself. One there. Pop will eat itself, definitely. Yeah, we know that. (laughs)
2: Moving
0: on. Rimini Faist has a big head. Rimini Feist always has a big but Rimini Feist who's been around since ever, as far as I can tell, um has finished his Rift War cycle finally uh, and now he's on to a new new fantasy series he's decided to go back to fantasy mm. uh, King of Ashes is the first in the planned War of Five Crown series to be honest it sounds to me like it's just pseudo history fantasy nonsense uh, inspired by medieval history and a and legend well what isn't at this stage uh, a better war goal so the five greater realms after four brothers vi- uh, violate an ancient covenant. The kingdom of flames is ended through war, and in- uh, ending an ancient balance of power and throwing the land into chaos. It could be good. It is remedy
1: first. It is very good. Right. It does look like it's uh, th- 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 that does look like it's going to get the epic movie trailer treatment. But it just sounds so generic. It does. So I'm hoping that you know something uh, throws us a curveball on there. I like curveballs.
0: Uh, Wesley Chew's uh, The Rebirths of Dao is coming out. Uh, the, re- the the Lives of Dao series is just, just a bit strange, to be honest. We, uh, the, the the whole the whole take on Lives of Dao is that the world is on the brink of war because aliens turn up and fix people, give people superpowers, uh, enhance them, and there's two different alien races that are using humanity as a kind of proxy for war and for conflict. Uh. Um, the aliens, the Propheus and the Gen X races have split humanity into two radically different factions, both convinced that the right is on their side. I, I think it's a, it's an interesting
1: idea. It is an interesting idea.
0: Uh, whether, I've not read the first one, so no. I might have to find some some time in my busy, busy schedule.
1: I just look like a series to jump on rather than <laughs> just uh, picking up the book, I think.
0: There's also an absolute power of Star Wars books coming out. I mean, we talked about Air of the Jedi. Yeah. a little while ago on the show, uh, there's other Star Wars novels on their way as we all gently wait for The Force Awakens to come on the telescreens.
1: Yeah, it makes an interesting future for Star Wars novels, doesn't it?
0: Well, what they've done, The R- R- the Jedi was originally written as uh, just a book in the Star Wars expanded universe. And it had already been commissioned. Yeah. And then they turned around to Kevin Hearn and went, You might have to rewrite this slightly because we've rebooted the universe. <laughs> so he did. And in fairness, it's quite good. Okay. It, it works quite well. Simon Tarkin, Tarkin, the, the, the kind of, they're going on these character profile ones. So Tarkin was, I think, the first one in the, you know, in the rebooted yeah. world. And that was quite fun. I enjoyed Tarkin as well. I have to admit, I've become slightly obsessed with Star Wars Rebels.
1: I must get on to that. Mind you, I've still got to finish Clone Wars.
0: But again, they're they're launching all these novels. One of the ones they're launching that has absolutely nothing to do with the established Star Wars canon, but it's still an official Star Wars novel, is Darth Vader and Friends. (laughs) Uh, Jeffrey Brown is an artist and a writer. Uh, He's got this very kitschy approach to the Star Wars franchise. Uh, Darth Vader and Son, Darth Vader's little princess, goodnight Darth Vader... It, it's all you know the joke is of course is that darth Vader didn't raise his kids um, i have yeah. read vader's little princess it's it's a wonderful little thing he's he'd meet an
2: awesome dad in a kind of stoic lord of
0: evil sort of way <laughs> mm. uh, he he doesn't want their dad to be your know, uh, intergalactic warlord it's
1: despicable me with the force my, my, dad, <laughs> my dad's bigger than your dad, <laughs> dad my dad has a death star
0: yeah uh, Darth Vader, I win I I, I think, yeah, I think they win but Darth Vader and Friends is full of very sweet sentiments and it brings in more of the cast so we see the droids, we see some Ewoks it's a whole family adventure (laughs) And given, the thing is, we do this with Darth Vader, and we forget that Darth Vader is an absolute monster because he's been part of the culture for so long, we we forget about it. But we're not going to. Does that mean that in thirty years' time we're going to get Joffrey and friends?
1: Star Wars is Star Wars is the family. Uh, certainly on Darth Vader's side, it is the family adventure. That's the entire point. But well, other than the tales of C three PO and R two D two, of course. But 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 he 's
0: still a monster uh, we have you know are we going to at some point are we going to catch the eyes of it I suppose we are kitschizing uh, established monsters. it 's been can't. long
1: enough with Star Wars you know it 's like um it, 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 it 's like who's the who 's the Hollywood villain of the day you know um people have had time to um People have, have had have had time with various wars, and you know they end up being serialised villains. Likewise with Vader, is you know it's been around a few years now. We can you get my little Cthulhu
0: I suppose. Yeah. So it's it's funny how eventually we just find laughing at the bad guys. I wonder if that will happen to Game of Thrones in enough time.
1: I think it might. You know,
0: uh, it might happen faster with Harry Potter. I suspect my little Voldemort. Oh, baldy. Oh, baldy. Anyway, moving on. Ah. So, yes, what other books are you looking forward to coming out soon? Apart from obviously the Winter Winter.
1: Oh. Now, well, I'm still uh, I'm on a long list of people waiting for Patrick Rothfuss's next part of the Kingkiller Chronicles. Do you know and That's my major one.
2: Do you know
0: because because my stream of books is constant. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for that that break where I get to read stuff that I haven't read in ages mm. and, and getting back to my um, to be read pile um, The Stress of Her Regard by Tim Powers is a book that came out ages ago that I haven't had a chance to read yet and I'm kind of looking forward to getting around to that but it's it, if I drop it on my foot it'll break it so it's quite a large book so I just haven't had the time I, I am looking forward to the sequel to Half a World right? because uh, we've had Half a King and we've had Half the World um, and there's one after that as well I'm um, looking forward to the, the next Joe Abercrombie, essentially.
1: I'd like to actually get on with um, the Gareth L. Powell uh, series as well.
0: Akak my cack. Indeed. Uh, uh, yes, they're, they're adorable. Uh, shall we move on and talk about books that we would like to review? <laughs>
2: The alternative
0: Regular listeners will know that I love myself a bit of dark sci-fi And The Lonely Dog, my Ren Warham is available on Fox Spirit Books Who are a lovely uh, independent publisher And it's a novella, so it's it's not quite a book length But always a gloriously dark So, uh, so what's it about? Well, it's a story of two people, Igmar and Yuri, more Igmar than Yuri, and it's set in the near future. So what we've had is we, we've got interplanetary travel, we've got, we've got our colonists, that are going out in space, and at one point, and this is slowly revealed throughout the story, at one point what we used to do is we used to get an artificial intelligence, put that in a spaceship, put colonists in the spaceship and send them out, and off they go kind of you know monitored and sent out and you know and that 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 worked, that was fine and then there was a, a a disaster which i'll not spoil for you because it's not a very long bit. but there was a disaster of some description and they thought well no, all official intelligences aren't actually very good at looking after human beings for for a very long period of time it turns <laughs> out things might go things Might go catastrophically wrong We have to come up with another solution So they come up with another solution Which is this We'll take a human being Mm -hmm. We'll put them in permanent suspended animation Right And then we'll upload their consciousness into the machine Um will have two. How is
1: this a better idea? This is, then? How, yeah, how is this a better idea? Does, does, does this does
0: sound like a better idea? Because there's an assumption that human beings are going to be better at it than machines, because you know human beings are better than machines. Mm. So they take two people, Ingmar and Yuri, and they've both they they've, they've both been picked for their their kind of introverted personalities. Okay. So two introverts, and there's this wonderful thing at the very start. Where the media are convinced that these two people are going to be lovers, because they're, they they're going are. to go into the stars and be, be lovers, star-crossed in the most literal sense. Oh, dear God. However, this is not the case. This is not the case at all. This is just the media lie. They've let allowed the media to believe this. They're they're not interested in. You know, they don't have time. They're running a spaceship, mm-hmm. and when one of them is running a spaceship, the other one of them is asleep. So they don't really, you know, they can they could probably write each other erotic notes, but apart from that, they don't really have the time to to do this sort of thing. And anyway, they've been carefully selected to to not be that, those sort of people. So Ingmar has had her own trials and tribulations and her own lives, yep. uh, life problems. Her childhood was difficult. Her father used to build artificial intelligences for starships. Yeah, he had a he had a problematic. Life at one point because they used to build, build artificial intelligence of spaceships. Her mother was convinced about the supernatural and the spectral and the strange. So, Iqbal's getting prepared. She's getting ready to go into space. She goes into space, mm-hmm. but before she leaves, and there's a whole lot of hoo ha. Um, an artificial intelligence, which is her friend, gives her a warning, which is beware the terrible, lonely, dark. Oh. The Lonely Dark by Reneworum is this beautifully slow, beautifully well done, perfect length, perfect size, um, short fiction, it's a it's a novella, it's not a novel. Right. Uh, if it was a novel, it would go on too long and it would be boring. It goes on just long enough, it gives you just enough twists and turns, <laughs> it goes in, does the job, and the job is to chill you to the bone. Right. It's it's gloriously laid out, and because what happens is when they go into this world and go into this artificial intelligence, they they have a kind of their own world that they've built within themselves. So they're doing the kind of their tasks around the spaceship. Yep. And then they have built out of their own memories, they have this artificial reality, this artificial playpen that they get just to chill out in. And it's a world created from your own mind. It's a world created from your own memories. It's a world created from your own self. So it's a, sort of, it's a sort of introvert paradise. Kind of. Because you, you can return to, to all the moments in your life that give you the most value. You can, you can spend, literally, the rest of your life sitting by the dock of the bay, wasting, wasting time. When, when you're not working, you can just instantly return to those moments of serenity and joy. And that's what the characters want. That's what they're expecting. And because they're human, because they're not machines, they have these experiences, they have this this kind of understanding. Right. And that, that's the draw. That That's why these people are here. That's, that's the treat, that they get to spend a sort of mechanical eternity in a sort of heaven. Uh, and these are the sort of people who, have the belief, who, have, who don't have a belief in an afterlife, so they're, they're getting a sort of paradise.
1: So is it too big a spoiler to ask where it goes horribly wrong? It goes horribly wrong. Is
0: is about as clearly it goes horribly wrong. It's, it's, <laughs> clearly, it horribly wrong. it's it, called they, the lonely dark. They, they do not get the paradise that they're expecting. Obviously, what Ren does, and I, I love this, is we we're talking. We talk about the show about layered storytelling. We talk about you know showing more than telling. And it's very hard to do in a novel. You can do it easily in a movie, but in, in a novel, you kind of you you have to carefully layer your shadows so you, yeah. you get an implied world she does this splendidly and Shadows is a good way of describing how, yeah, it's called the Lonely Dart, but she she builds a shadow upon a shadow upon a shadow right, to create a world to create a world, uh, an introspective world because this is not just, the, you know, the the outside world is one of spaceships and space exploration and technology and technology going wrong and ethics committees and science that's an interesting but fairly straightforward world. Igmar's internal world, her, her her fantasies, her loves, her detachment from reality, that's also built in the similar sort of layered way. So, what we end up with is we end up with this incredibly clinical world. And it, because it's all told from one person's worldview, yep. we understand the character a lot more because the world is probably not that clinical. The world is probably not that sharp. And it's probably not that, you know, it's pragmatic. But, but, but naturally, the there is a character is. bias. The, the character clearly is, and we understand because we see this world through that lens. Through there, right. yeah. uh, we get that. I would have. It is perfectly. It is perfectly. Learned. It's a novella. It works perfectly. The if it is I would have liked to have seen more of the male protagonist. Right, but it's not his story. He's, he's kind of. He's, he comes along, and you're like, I like you. You're doomed. <laughs> and it's cleverly done and she does so much with so very little yeah and so very little setting up and it's one of the things that Fox Spirit do do very well I like Fox Spirit books I'm a big fan of their output I think them and Jurassic London are the two indie imprints that I get really excited about every time something comes out from either either one of those I'm like ooh actually yeah. because they have very similar philosophers mm. philosophies well, and, philosoph- philosophers, as well, they they and philosophers as well but they have very similar philosophies in that they're looking for incisive and new and interesting and they're not willing to discard everything that's gone before so if someone says I've got this great thing about space knights and lightsabers and stuff, they'll look at it they're, they might not be as excited by, their, by by other ideas but they'll look at it and see yeah. what they can do they're after clever original fiction, and they're after fiction that makes you think, and that's what fiction should do. They're after good fiction, and not just after you know any old genre nonsense. They're after good genre work that pushes the envelope, and *The Lonely Dark* pushes the envelope quite a bit. At the same time, it's nothing new. It, you know. It, we we have these stories
1: of of space travel and yeah, just weirdly, role. although I, I, I've not I, I've not read it, but when you gave me the initial description, my brain went towards Sunshine for some reason, uh, or possibly Solaris, mm. or
0: possibly Interstellar. It's not a new idea, but the way it's written and the way it's put together and the perspective that it's given is just lovely. Uh, in a In a chilling, it's a chilling and horrific way. I found it very gentle and enjoyable. <laughs> It's just just cold enough, and it's just strange enough. A
1: lullaby and of nightmare.
0: It's a, yes, it's a nightmare <laughs> lullaby. A very, very lovely, well-written, well-constructed story. It's the sort of thing that you could also see being converted into a kind of black-and-white art movie and working quite well.
3: Mm.
0: You know how sometimes you read a sci-fi novel and you can see the spaceship's explosion, exploding, yeah. and you can see the bright colours, and you can see the guy with the, the blaster running around the corner and this sort of thing. Yeah, I could see the black-and-white... I could see the Battle White, I could see the long, cold corridors.
1: I was this close to going into Roy, uh, Roy Betty's Blade Runner speech for there. Uh, carry on. <laughs> uh,
0: let's, let's not and say we did. I could, I could, I could imagine the structure, yeah. the, the way it's put together, but I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't see it as anything more than what it is. Right. Yeah, it's not one of those books that spark my imagination, it's one of those stories that just made me go, ah, that's clever, that's interesting,
2: Ooh,
0: sausage sandwich. Um, actually, strangely, I think more than a few people I know who've read this immediately wanted bacon. I have no idea why. <laughs> There's a random thing. Maybe maybe because bacon sandwiches are comforting.
1: I now need to read this just to know why that is the, uh, the, the, is the, the link.
0: No, no bacon is mentioned, but I have talked to a couple of people who've read it and gone, yeah, bacon sandwiches, actually. I've just remembered that. That's quite strange. Maybe it's something about delicious, delicious bacon sandwiches. I'm sure that someone's listening to this movie going, what are you talking about now, Bacon sandwiches, Lonely Dog? Anyway. In
1: space, no one can hear you squeal?
0: Oh dear. Oh dear me. Fox Spirit Books, Lonely Dog, Ren Warren, uh, Beautifully Haunting Tale, uh, get it on your Kindle. It's my, my strong advice. If you don't have a Kindle, get it on your other electronic device. Other electronic devices are available.
2: And it's going to
0: delight you on you know a reasonably length commute, uh, train journey sort of thing, or you know if it's snowing outside and you just want a hot mug of cocoa and a nice chill inside as well. Uh, coming up next, I believe we have an interview.
2: Across the world, twenty-four hours a day. Peter Brett, welcome to the Bookworm.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. What can you tell us about your latest work? Uh, the latest book, *The Skull Throne*, is the fourth book in the Demon Cycle series. Um, I hate having to to be at this point in the series, but I, it's reached a point where it's very difficult to read the fourth book without having read the others. Uh, I think for the first couple of books in the series, you could have picked up the second one, say, without having read the first. But by this point, the ongoing drama has reached a point where it's it's sort of difficult to pick up all the threads, although I do make a point of uh, threading in reminders of everything so that if you haven't if you've read the books but haven't read them in the two years since the last one came out, you should be able to pick up the new one and have everything refreshed for you uh, The series is set in a world where demons come out at night and basically ravage the land uh these are Magical creatures, they can't really be harmed by normal weapons, and so the only way to protect yourself or your home or your crops or your livestock or anything is to draw symbols called wards around them, which uh, the demons can't pass through, sort of like holding a cross up to a vampire. And so uh, humanity has sort of been beaten down into an almost uh, medieval level of technology, hiding behind these magic symbols. And the series kicks off when people uh, reach a point where they become so afraid that they don't care anymore and begin to find ways to fight back. Um, It's sort of been a character study of uh, different people at this pivotal point in history, showing how each of them has been scarred at some point in their childhood by an encounter with demons and how it's forced them onto a new path that's showing them different ways to kind of fight back and help humanity claw its way back. Uh, It's something where uh, the demons are a very big part of the story, but it's more the human story of how people are dealing with fear and how they're dealing with their own problems with each other, trying to, to bring humanity back to a place of prominence in the world after having it sort of beaten away. Why Demons? Uh, Well, I mean, there's a number of reasons. I I think some of it is just from the formative things that I read when I was first getting into fantasy. One of the the books that most affected me was The Elfstones of Shannara by Terry Brooks, which uh, is also kind of has a similar theme of demons that have been trapped in another dimension that are kind of forcing their way back and how people aren't ready to face them. Uh, So that sort of sparked my interest in in demons and demon summoning and, and like circles of protection and and things like that. But uh, I also around the time of September 11th, uh, I was in New York and I kind of remember the event and what I was struck by was how everyone was afraid as the attacks were going on in the days that followed, but everybody used that fear in a different way. Some people Dropped what they were doing and ran to the, to the site of the destruction to try and help out. Some people ran to give blood. Some people ran away. Some people froze and didn't know what to do. Some people just sort of like went into the street and, and ran around crazy running into each other. And it was that. Some people wanted to go to war. Some people wanted to hide. And it was that sort of disparity that made me kind of fascinated with the idea of an enemy that you can't really fight. And so you have all of this pent-up emotion and you don't know what to do with it. And that, I, I thought, kind of worked well with the idea of demons that, that are very are very difficult to fight with normal means. And so those two ideas kind of came together and uh, became the backdrop for this fantasy setting.
2: Why do you torture your characters so?
3: Oh, well, well, you know, a good character is a tortured character. <laughs> um, it, it's... Something that we, I think everyone has their own pains and their own struggles and seeing somebody else going through difficult times and continuing to put one foot in front of the other and continuing to to stand fast against whatever their problems are is something that's very inspiring to us. It gives us hope. It gives us a reminder that, that problems can be solved if you keep picking away at them. And so, I mean... I kind of feel, I've said many times that my job is to create characters that people love and relate to and then torture them. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of what authors do.
2: What's next?
3: Well, I have the, this current series, the Demon Cycle series, is set to be five books. And so the next book, The Core, will close off this storyline tie up the storylines of all of the main POV characters that have been in the series thus far. Um, I am then, uh, contracted for another book that is still somewhat malleable. Uh, I haven't started work on that next book because obviously I have one more book to finish before I get to it. Um, and so I have plans for another in world book, uh, right now that the working title is Brook. that will not end up being the final title. um, which is set in the small town where the series first picks up. It's using a lot of related characters. It's using the same setting, but it's something that's happening sort of at the same time in a different place as the rest of the series. Um, and that would be a single standalone book. Um, but I also have plans for for another series, uh, also set in the same world, but a generation forward. So with a handful of characters from the original series, but mostly a set of new characters that'll be the main protagonists. Um, But these are all things that, if I start to think about them too much, I'll lose focus on the important thing right now, which is making the last book in the series as amazing as possible and really tying things up in a way that's satisfying for everyone. So that's that's my goal for the next two years or so.
2: It is a very detailed world. Should we expect to see a source book sometime soon?
3: I would certainly love to do something like that. I have a, um, I call it the Demon Cycle Appendix. It is a Microsoft Word file. It's about 200 pages long that contains a glossary of every person, place, and thing, lists of how the currency systems work, lists of the different locations, lists of places that aren't even on the map that, like, I know are there and we might get to sometimes. Uh, I have hand-drawn maps of places. I have so much additional information that i sort of parse out to the reader as is as is necessary for the story but that's only sort of the tip of the iceberg of what actually i know about the setting and the magic system and the characters sometimes you will write a long backstory for a character and then not need to actually use it or you put it in and you find that it slows the story down without really adding anything and so then you know that goes back in the appendix and i know it but you wait for the right time for the reader to know it. Um, And so I would love to do that sort of source book. I think I need to reach a point in my career where people, enough people would be willing to buy that for a publisher to want to make it. Uh, I was just talking to someone today about the same thing uh, with an art book. There's so much art related to the series, uh, both professional art and professional level fan art that I would love to do an art book, but, Art books are expensive to produce and so you need to know that, you know, a publisher needs to know they'll make a profit before they go for something like that. So hopefully one day. I would love to do those things.
2: If you were casting a movie of your work, what would the characters be and who would the actors be? Uh,
3: I had a contest on my my blog to do this a while ago and we had picked an amazing cast and then it's been a couple of years and now they've all sort of aged out of the roles. Uh, This is a there's sort of a, a tricky thing in my books because the characters start out very young. And then we have in particularly in the first couple of books, we have these sort of leaps forward of a couple of years. um, where like, someone will go into training and then the story will pick up seven years later. And so in order to have main characters really work, you would need someone who can play a character that's both say 17, 18, but also 25 or so. And so, every time I pick an actor, like a couple of years go by and suddenly they're, they're too old to play the younger version of themselves. Um, so, uh, I don't know the, right now the characters on the cover in the UK, uh, Roger, everyone is saying that Eddie Redmayne should, uh, play him. Uh, I was also thinking that Rupert Grint would have been a good choice for him. And I think he's still right about the right age. Um, uh, Arlen the main character I had wanted uh, Ben Foster to play him originally Ben Foster was a, a movie actor he had done um, now I'm blanking on the title of the name or uh, I was also thinking about Chris Pine who plays uh, Kirk on the on the Star Trek reboot would be an amazing Arlen um, so if you if you go to my website uh, www on my blog if you just do a search for a casting call. There's like a long list where where we debate endlessly who would be great for what role. So uh, I think that's probably a good place if people are interested in that sort of thing.
2: If you were trapped on a desert island and only had one book for company, what would it be?
3: Uh, I think I would want a survival guide (laughs) if I was trapped on a desert island. Uh, How to make fresh water, uh, like how to build a shelter. Maybe some basic chemistry. Uh, I Certainly, there's plenty of books that I love that I would like for pleasure reading, but I think I'd be more concerned on how to build shelter. <laughs> Is there an idiot's guide to surviving a desert island?
2: Simpsons or Futurama?
3: Simpsons or Futurama? Simpsons. Demons or angels? Demons. Truth or beauty? Oh, that's a hard one. Um I think I'm going to... Look, I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to go with beauty.
2: Peter Brett, thank you very much for your time.
3: Thank you. Embrace the alternative.
0: This this is Faberio International.
1: So, Rogues, a compilation uh, edited by uh, George R R Martin, who I'm sure some of you have heard of, and Gardner R Doswell, who also some of you uh, some of you may have heard of for slightly different reasons. A bit of blurb. If you're a fan of fiction that is more than just black and white, this latest story collection from number 1 New York Times best-selling author George R R Martin and award-winning editor Gardner Doswara is filled with Subtle shades of grey. Twenty-one all-original stories by an all-star list of contributors will delight and astonish you in equal measure with their cunning twists and dazzling reversals. And George R.R. R. Martin himself offers a brand-new Game of Thrones tale, chronicling one of the biggest rogues in the entire history of Ice and Fire. Well, that's uh, it's it's a big chunky book. This one, as there are a uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of authors who. Uh, you will have heard of for various different reasons, some you may not have, and a good flavour, a a good variety of books. All short stories, and I would say all quite wildly different from one another. Now, uh, doing a bit of name dropping on the authors, Joe Abercrombie, Gillian, Frit, Gillian Flynn, Scott Lynch, Paul Cornell, Garth Nix, Neil Gaiman, Patrick Rothfuss, George R.R. Martin, of course, and a, and a bunch of others in here. So, where do you start with a compilation? <laughs> I don't want to really want to. I, I can't really rattle through all of the. Stories, as uh, obviously some are more memorable than others. That's <laughs> I think possibly um, my, if, if I mentioned my favourites, the um, the Scott Lynch story, and I actually really enjoyed the um, uh, the Gillian Flynn story as well. That was. uh, It's called What Do You Do, the Gillian Flynn, and that was the most. uh, That was actually the most surprising to me. I haven't. I'm probably most famous for Gone Girl. Um, I haven't read that myself. So far, but um, one of the things that, uh, one of the things I find great about compilations is their uh, is their fine little gateway to you reading it, uh, you you getting a story. And going, yeah, must check out some more from them. So, what do you do? It's a uh, it's a thriller. This one, not a um, uh, not in any way a uh, fantasy or, or sci-fi. As Actually, I was I was pretty much expecting this compilation to be, but. Um, the main protagonist with this, uh, the main protagonist on uh, the story, actually works in a massage parlor, uh, and yeah, not not of the savoury sort. From go sorry. on,
0: so so uh, <laughs> unsavoury massage, par- unsavoury massage. Mm. I'm about to be at the sandwiches. So sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a sweet massage parlor as well, but no. no. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, the. Um, story uh, story nicely uh, nicely rolls on to a uh, 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 al- almost a bit a bit of a séance uh, something something about a séance and ends uh, for wh- where it ends up is with a uh, an incredibly creepy little boy ooh and most of what runs around this story is about this incredibly creepy little boy. Because you find out one thing, you find out what you think's one thing about him as he tries to um, uh, as he tries to shoe the lead character out of the house with um, beware of that and beware of this place. It's haunted and bad things will happen to you. And goes on from there. Uh, without uh, wishing to spoil it too hard, it takes on. Th- Three or four twists and turns, and just uh, I loved it because just when I thought I'd got something worked out with it, some uh, it it just veered in completely, uh, completely the other way from there. And when I finally got to when I finally got to the end of the tale, I was uh, uh, I I was uh, pleasantly impressed, shall we say. Uh, Another. So, um, I will also speak about the uh, George R. R. Martin story because um, uh, it, it's it's right at the end, as you'd expect, and unusually for an Audible, not re- uh, not read by uh, Roy D'Autreese. This one, uh, the Game of Thrones series, is all uh, is is all authored by Roy D'Autreese. What it does have is Ian. Uh, who it does have is Ian Glen, who. Um, those fol- followers of the Game of Thrones series will um, know plays uh, Jorah Mormont.
2: Oh, ah, okay.
1: It's an interesting little story, and um, that well, not only is it uh, not only does it have a, a slightly uh, a slightly different reader, but it has a, it, it has a much different read as well. You've probably seen, the, uh, you probably know the chapters where, say, um, Jamie Lannister goes in and uh, uh, go, uh, goes in and reads the history of the uh, history of the Night's Watch and tells. And uh, gets you a bit of exposition that way. This uh, entire short is similar to, uh, it is probably most akin to that in that it go, it, it in that it's uh, it's essentially a history treatise on the uh, treatise on on side of the um, Targaryen uh, Targaryen family. So, uh, actually, at times it reads a bit like a history treatise. So. <laughs> Um, it, it, it gets a bit difficult. It's it's nice and it, it, it fills in uh, it fills in a good gap, um, but it's it, it felt a bit odd in in that same way. So does it cover anything current
0: with the Game of Thrones, or is it just a little bit of history?
1: Uh, it's it's some nice flavour. It will tell you more about it. It'll certainly so, certainly tell you more about the um, Targaryen family.
0: He did a similar thing with uh, women. The the women that's uh, dangerous women, yeah. The dangerous women, yeah. Where he he again gave you a nice bit of backstory and history to the world. But he's been writing a lot about the history of the world rather than continuing the ongoing story.
1: It's quite right. You won't you you won't miss it if you haven't read it necessarily, but it, it's um, it, it's a pleasant addition if you have. Right. So there's a little bit of um, a a bit of a difficulty um, uh, I'm I'm missing a couple of the uh, I'm missing a couple of the titles because they were they were nicely highlighted in uh, in a color on my notes which didn't print out it's also that <laughs> so thing we so I won't be able to name any of the stories that I uh, that I particularly highlighted but hey
0: <laughs> you can't possibly when it comes to an apology review we would just bore you rigid if we went through every single story that was on there
1: exactly uh, however and spoil the book as well quite sometime. Uh, it opens with the uh Joe Abercrombie story i haven't uh, he's another one heard his name many many times haven't actually uh haven't actually read enough to say uh, say where i was uh, where I was with that but uh, there's a lovely uh, uh, but there's a lovely intro in Rogues which tells you that the uh, the story is very um uh, very much a um uh, very much a short tale of uh, button button who's got the button and yeah. The story revolves. Uh, the story revolves around a um, quite shameless MacGuffin, which we know not a lot about. And you follow characters very briefly until something happens and they lose it, and it goes on and on until it ends up where it's supposed to.
2: You know what? Shall we
0: in in the bit where we talk about things? Shall we talk about MacGuffins? Because mm. there's quite a few good MacGuffins.
1: Yeah, I like a good MacGuffin. <laughs>
0: shall we shall we shall we do that now? Well, let's talk about McGuffin's next. To the Maltese Vulcan uh, there are so many MacGuffins and ran- the monkeys paw. there's all sorts of random little artifacts and items that find themselves in the literature Russ, the
1: suitcase th- in Pulp Fiction is that your favourite
0: uh, thing mm. uh, I, I I actually quite like MacGuffins that aren't so for example in the Game of Thrones uh, spoiler for the first book if you haven't read it, tough uh, the eggs Oh, a MacGuffin Yeah Not an egg MacGuffin That's a, that's a McDonald's meal But <laughs> the, the eggs definitely look like They're going to be a MacGuffin Up until Towards the end When you realise that In fact they aren't No There's something much more Important than that uh, I I am a fan of the, the kind of The One Ring I think is the classic Because it is an important device And it does all. You know, it drives the plot forward but ultimately, it's just a thing for everyone to chase around and literally makes everyone chase after it.
1: Yeah, it drives the plot forward, sideways, up mountains. Uh,
0: the, the one in Warhammer
1: 40,000 Fiction um, is, I,
0: I love this, is the STC te- template. There's always a standard template construct, so it's this, this schematic, this plan, and every single one of them, it doesn't matter what it could be, but every single one of them is a treasure, and it's how to create a thing. Mm. It's not the thing itself, it's just how to create the thing. And it could be anything from a world-destroying spaceship or a world-destroying cannon to a new kind of knife. And these things always appear, and they never get them. Very rarely do they acquire something, and if they do acquire something, it's Velcro. Yeah, it's it's another lost designer artifact that they don't have in their society. When they finally get there, it's something like Velcro, and though that is very useful, it's not worth not an entire. Not quite what
1: they need to. Yeah, what they've um, sacrificed blood and guts to uh, interstellar war
0: over or over being able to put your shoes on in a different way. Hmm. It's not they're not normally that kind of prosaic, but as, as a as a built into a setting. It's kind of like, it's almost a MacGuffin factory, the STCs.
1: That is taking me nicely, however, to an experimental warfare line, which probably didn't happen, uh, whereby they acquired the Velcro and then decided to use tactical barfly units from there. <laughs> Just firing them firing them from a cannon. And seeing what sticks. Quite
0: literally, yes. Really? Quite, uh, again, Game of Thrones, uh, MacGuffin, the, the Valerian um, knife, starts off as a MacGuffin and then becomes something quite significant, George R. Martin does quite like his, his his this is not what you think it is double bluff, he does that in the wildcard series as yeah. well quite a lot uh, whatever, whatever uh, amazing obviously if you have a MacGuffin that you want to go oh I like this MacGuffin you can go to this on uh, Facebook, on Twitter and on Tumblr uh, via Radio Bookworm uh, we are always willing to listen to what you have to say uh, we might completely ignore you, but we we always want to to hear what you have to say. Uh, the Horcruxes in Harry Potter are they McGuffins? Um, I think a lot of them are. Yes, they could be, they could some be
1: of anything them are.
3: Else.
1: And a certain certainly in the early, earlier books, when you don't know that they're Horcruxes, at that point they are uh, that they, they are a quest object of a various type.
0: Forty two. Ah, now there's a classic MacGuffin Everyone chasing around something that isn't really Isn't really worthwhile 42, I quite like that as a MacGuffin actually Mm. Holy Grail Uh, The MacGuffin, Mm. the classic MacGuffin Uh, Yeah, I'm very fond of the hill I like Holy Grails that are also completely useless (laughs) (laughs) It's a cup, It's, it's got magical powers Not really, it's a cup Oh,
1: actually, I for a lot of the time I do find a lot of the time with the Holy Grail stories, they I, I think they do tend to be more um, less use than they really should be for the uh, for the amount of story they've had for, for the effort because yeah.
0: they, they very rarely do magical healing. It's normally just a cup, hmm. normally a broken
1: cup. Oh, it's pass. nice you've got this. The villains can't melt it down. Well done, you. Hooray. Again, sorry though. about your friends. <laughs> we're heading into movies but the Ark of the
0: Covenant of course is the McGuffin almost all of the Indiana Jones movies are oh, yeah. chasing
1: which is a very logical thing because you know Indy's fundamentally an archaeologist who happens to have a flair for adventure it's-
0: <laughs> the Dresden files the Harry Dresden books tend to be full of MacGuffins mm. uh, almost, I think almost all of them at some point they're chasing after some object or some device or some description
1: which again makes a lot of sense because when you're dealing in a wizard world there are going to be uh, there are going to be magical artefacts that are uh, of significant value to people but who know what they do
0: but there is a significant difference between uh, you know a useful device that's part of the story and it's a thing that it could be anything you know, it, yeah. it could be a carrot that they're chasing uh, very rarely do you get them in towpratch and all in fact I can't think of a single towpratch at Discworld MacGuffin because the luggage is a character yes and no one's, no one's actually I've just realised he's the anti-MacGuffin <laughs> because cause he's an object that chases after the characters rather than the characters chasing after the object Got his well, own plot. well done it's taken me 20 years to, 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 to a slow hand clap Mr. Fortune I, I I just got that
1: the bookworm solves mysteries, <laughs> very slowly,
0: and then leaves. <laughs> so uh, I think we better better flee. <laughs>
3: fabradiointernational.com
0: I've been Edward Fortune for the rest of the Sunday I'll be someone else
1: and you've been I've been Russ Smith and for the rest of the Sunday I'm going to be a lot of other people I've got so much writing to catch up on The Book Room is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst Magazine Presented by Ed Fortune and Russ Smith Produced by A L Johnson